0: Strip down to my skin and my bones, I love huskies but I feel like a wolf, in a pack but I feel
1: Hi, and welcome skin. to another episode of the Budding Industry Podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Gabe, here as always with Dave, and today we have Peter Polarski with us, president of Cannabis Social. Peter, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's our pleasure. So, jumping right into it, can you tell us what is Cannabis Social, and tell us a bit about your role there.
2: Sure, so uh, Cannabis Social is a uh, communications, marketing, and design agency, uh, which is uh, specialized uh, into the cannabis industry. Uh, I'm the president. Um, Cannabis Social, uh, I bought uh, actually off a a person named Stephanie Ostrander, who's a fabulous human being in Edmonton, uh, back in November, and I bought it through my company, CIPR Communications, uh, which my wife and I run together.
1: Okay. Very cool. So you're you effectively both of you run this uh, PR firm, let's call it that, or branding marketing firm together as a subset of, of CIPR. Is that it? Correct. Yeah. All right. And what uh, what motivated you to get into the sector to to make that jump?
2: Yeah. Um. I first of all uh, have been a uh, I guess a, a passionate cannabis uh, advocate for my whole life uh, and uh, and a user and so. Uh, when I saw everything happening in the industry and, and everything developed, uh, developing, I thought, you know what, uh, I think there's a lot of need for communications and marketing in this space and uh, certainly I'm passionate about it. So it was sort of a no brainer. And then I went to a connections event uh, in Calgary where uh, I just happened to run into uh, Stephanie Ostrander who was giving a presentation about uh, this business that she started that she needed to sell and, uh, <laughs> and you know, the stars aligned, so I, I, I went for it.
1: Awesome. And how was the transition from your usual way of doing business with CIPR to this very specific niche?
2: Yeah, um, you know what, it was actually a a good transition uh, in the sense that, uh, I mean, a lot of the services we provide are exactly the same. Uh, But uh, uh, I had a bit of a, actually kind of a slow start because when I bought the business, I ended up uh, getting really, really busy on the CIPR side. Uh, right off the bat so I didn't really have the time I wanted to invest into building this part of the business uh, immediately so I sort of took a bit of a slow approach got to know some people uh, in the industry and uh, and you know was fortunate enough to get a few contracts and uh, now I'm sort of you know almost uh, almost uh, exclusively I should say maybe about 75% focused on this business and yeah, it has been fantastic I mean uh, the people in this industry are super positive uh, the, the vibe is, is, is really upbeat. Uh, there's a lot of excitement that things are moving really fast. So you know, it's just been a, a great a great industry to transition into and a lot of fun.
1: Awesome. I mean, we've gotten that feedback, I find, from a lot of our guests is that they love the people in the industry. That's really actually been a common theme, which is it's just great to hear about anything, but specifically a new industry like this. How did you sort of go about your networking in the industry? I know you said you've been an advocate and a user for a long time, but did you have like business contacts already? How did you navigate the networking aspect of, of this new industry?
2: Yeah, so I mean, to be honest with you, my start really got uh, through a few clients. So I had a, a client that was shooting a series of, of, of movies and I was writing some some content for him and. Uh, ended up going to uh, one of my current clients, Sundial Owners uh, Facility, and met them as part of this uh, this project. And then I, you know, again, this connections event was sort of a thing, a friend through a, a friend kind of situation that I went to. And then uh, just sort of kept running into the industry, so that was awesome. And then, you know, over time, uh, it just sort of, you know, there was a lot of uh, industry events happening all over the place, uh, so I just started showing up to those things and talking to people and. Um, you know, people have been extremely open uh, and, and really, really, uh, you know, uh, encouraging, I guess. So uh, I think it's a really easy industry with the energy in, in the industry right now to, for people to just, uh, just start showing up at events and start talking to people. Uh, people are open.
0: Excellent. Uh, what are some of the challenges that you've uh, seen once you made the jump into cannabis um, in Alberta and uh, wherever, wherever you, in other provinces or countries where you're operating?
2: yeah I mean I'd say kind of the biggest challenge I faced uh, personally is that uh, you you know while there is a lot of new in the industry there's also a lot of established in the industry from the uh, from the medical side and so uh, certainly there is uh, there are people who are already established um, and doing things uh, similar to what I'm trying to do there are relationships already established in terms of you know law firms and and consulting firms and those kinds of things and so uh, you know there's a bit of a you know, people know and trust each other, so you got to break into that group a little bit to, I think, to be successful long-term, but, uh, you know, those people are open, uh, I can say, but, you know, they just have their trusted partners and and, and trusted suppliers and that kind of thing. So, uh, you know, that takes a little bit of time, and I think building trust in any industry is just something that uh, that takes time as, as you go in new. So, uh, you know, it's been a little bit of patience on my end, I suppose. but. Uh, uh, other, But, you know, uh, at the same time, there is an openness and, and it's been great in terms of how I've been able to find clients and, and work.
1: Yeah, I mean, that sounds pretty consistent with any new business. You have to sort of find your way to, to wedge yourself in and make a place for yourself. Um, totally. More specifically on the challenges, though, like, obviously branding and public image for cannabis specifically is... is Kind of a gray area in Canada in terms of what's going to be allowed for marketing materials and things like that. I know every province is going to be different. In Quebec, here they recently uh, just made it, uh, they, they presented a bill to make it criminal to, pr- to print anything with a pot leaf on it. Um, so I'm just kind of wondering what kind of challenges you've seen from your perspective, obviously, as a marketing and PR expert. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, first of all, Quebec is a whole and kettle of fish
1: yeah, don't we <laughs> and know so, it you know there's a reason why uh, a lot of uh, a
2: lot of places do contests in all provinces in the country <laughs> except for Quebec so uh, I won't even go there but uh, yeah I mean certainly the, the, the rules are very restrictive um, and it's going to be very challenging for companies to uh, to stand out there's no question about it um, uh, so you know I mean it's the, the thing is everybody's on the same page um, but uh, certainly for uh, licensed producers um, really have to work hard to get a story out there the really uh, the intention is to not allow marketing to happen full stop um, right for pretty, pretty much so uh, you know so that means that you need to be creative and I think public relations is a great vehicle for getting your for getting your word out um, you you can get your word out through the media so uh, that's a great way to go and then in terms of you know ways you need to uh, Ways you can reach people is, is directly if they're over if you can prove that they're over eighteen and you have uh, you know their contact information, their mailing address, or or, or whatever, then uh, you are able to uh, you know communicate them with them much more directly. So uh, yeah, I mean, and the other thing I would say is 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 really uh, your brand development is so important and your story about mm. your company and and, and you know. People have to really uh, put themselves out there uh, in order to succeed in the cannabis industry. So you know, executives from your companies need to get on social media. They need to make themselves visible right. and they need to sell themselves because really the uh, the brand itself isn't going to be able to do a lot of marketing and selling per se. Um, so I mean, yeah, it's definitely uh, full of challenges, but at the same time, there are ways to uh, to get the message out.
0: Definitely, and and we've seen this with a, a bunch of our other guests as well, where. Whereby social channels and and digital is really where the industry is um, ha- has found a home and is is growing uh, very quickly. It is yeah. So uh, I, you're about a year in, if I'm not mistaken, to, to cannabis social. Can you yeah. tell? Can you talk a bit about some of the wins, the early wins you've seen with some of your clients, without naming names, but if if you prefer, uh, or any specific campaigns that stick out in your mind that were successful?
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, I've had so. I mean, one of my clients uh, is uh, Sundial Growers. Uh, I will, will uh, happily put their name out there. Fantastic uh, licensed producer, and uh, you know what? They've they've taken a very strong approach when it comes to public relations, and uh, you know they've been, in my opinion, very successful in getting their message out through media, uh, and and uh, telling their story, uh, telling their corporate story through a series of press releases and. Uh, you know, uh, as they go, uh, and so you know that's been just really, really awesome to see and really a good success. Uh, you know, in the early days when we when we first got started, we did the marketing and promotions for uh, for a uh, industry event here in Calgary called Cannabis Con, uh, and mm-hmm. we were actually able to get some uh, some Facebook ads approved. Uh, things have taken off oh, wow. Facebook. Yeah, things have tightened up a lot since uh, I would call it last February. But man, I can tell you when when we got those those ads through, uh, <laughs> the amount of likes and the ROI that we got on huh. those ads were unlike anything I've ever seen anywhere. Uh, really, people were all over it. They were engaged. They were uh, they were growing. The page grew like I, I don't even know how many, but but really quickly it grew. Uh, and so that told me that. People are really, really, really interested in this industry, um, and unfortunately, uh, the platforms uh, are very restrictive. So you know, they're not—they're going to have a hard time, you know, getting through you know, on those platforms through marketing. Um, but uh, obviously, there's a huge interest out there. So. Uh, I think media is hungry. Uh, I think people are hungry for information. So as long as cannabis companies can stick within the rules, which is really, uh, you know, you're able to educate people about your products,
0: um, then uh, I think there's a
1: a receptive audience out there. Yeah, no, definitely. We can obviously, I mean, it's been all over the news. You can definitely tell that the public is interested. Here we are at the end of September in Canada. It's going to be legalized in in a few short weeks. Everybody's waiting, you know, pretty Excitedly to see how it all turns out. Um, speaking of which, actually, I wanted to ask you, with somebody who's really got, you know, your finger to the pulse on things, how do you feel about, you know, without getting too political, how do you feel about the way national legalization is being handled? Oh,
2: that's a big question. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's a big country. Yeah, yeah, it's a big country. <laughs> there you go. I would say my comment would be that it's being handled in a very canadian way Uh, i say that by saying you know number one uh canada has a pretty strong reputation in the world for having very very strong regulations uh and so certainly the regulatory environment that's been put in place is is you know very very strong and i think it'll be a model for other countries around the world um you know in terms of the 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 sort of patchwork of of different rules across the country you know very canadian Mm -hmm. uh I don't like that at all. So if I'm going to get into politics, I think our whole provincial system and the way we function is quite dysfunctional, frankly. Uh, I'd like to see us operating as more of one country in many ways, but uh, you know, but that's just the way it is. And so uh, I'll certainly give kudos to Alberta here, uh, which uh, went with a private retail model, um, you know, which I think is uh, one of the better models in the country. Um, So you know, uh, and then municipalities. To be honest with you, in my opinion, is a bit of a mess, uh, and mm. and it's some of the conversations we see at you know at uh, at municipal government tables are are kind of a little bit ridiculous sometimes, very good sometimes. Um, there's you know it's clear that at that level uh, there's probably not enough education yet, and so uh, hopefully those rules will change as people get a little bit more educated and a little less scared about you know this boogeyman band cannabis. And <laughs> yeah. sometimes I hear these conversations like, yeah, I don't think that's really an issue.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. I, uh, yeah, we can definitely say the same here. Uh, I mean, even in Montreal, there's, you know, there's some smaller municipalities on the island and, you know, they, they've been in the news. There's one small one that that just banned smoking outright in all public, sp- in all public spaces, you know, on the sidewalk and everything. Yeah. Uh, we'll see how that works out for them. But uh, so there's a lot of uh, knee jerk reactions, it seems. You you did mention how you you liked how uh, Alberta Alberta's approach. I was going to ask a bit to to go a bit deeper into that based on you know your own experience in Alberta. What have you seen that you liked and disliked that you think should be used or avoided nationally?
2: Sure. So what I like in Alberta certainly is the private retail model. Um, I think uh, you know the government should not be in the business of uh, being in the retail space. If that's at all. Um, so I think that's great. Uh, in terms of what I don't like in Alberta is. Um, Uh, you know the AGLC which is the provincial regulator um, first of all is uh, doing online sales and we see that in many other parts of the country Um, so they're really you know a wholesaler competing against retailers so that that doesn't sit well with me and and then the other the other kind of piece uh, that that um, is a little bit sort of not great for me with respect to the uh, approach of the AGLC is that uh, uh, the government is um, the wholesaler and so in the liquor model uh, really, liquor just flows through the upper, through the through the regulator uh, on a consignment model, and so really the relationship is between the producer and the retailer, uh, and it just flows through there more for
0: as a safety mechanism. Whereas uh, in cannabis, um, the AGLC actually
2: buys all the product and then sells it back, so they are effectively a wholesaler. And so I think that relation, I think that's something that I hope to see will change after a while because I think the relationship between the producer and the retailer is a really important one. Um, and uh, I just think that uh, with the AGLC also selling online and being a competitor to retail, uh, there are just some complexities and trust issues there that uh, uh, are going to be challenging for everybody to understand the resolve.
1: Yeah, fair mm-hmm. enough. There's a lot of murky water here. There's a lot of uh, you know unknowns we're dealing with. It's, a, it's, a, it's uncharted territory for us.
0: Uh, Peter, can you talk a little bit about what the legal and regulatory landscape was like about a year ago and how it's changed? As well as, I'm curious how well versed your your clients are in the law and in the changing uh, regulations, and how much they rely on you to to uh, to guide them in that respect.
2: Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, certainly the biggest change. <laughs> Uh, with respect to, uh, you know, law and legislation is that, uh, you know, I mean, cannabis will be legal rec- recreationally, uh, and it was only legal medically before. And so, uh, certainly that's a pretty massive uh, shift. And then also, um, you know, previously, uh, you know, under the medical system, um, you know, really, there wasn't really, I mean, really nothing's changed substantially on uh on marketing and advertising because cannabis mm-hmm. actually is subject to the uh, narcotics control regulation. and so you're, you're actually not through that regulation allowed to advertise uh, a narcotic and cannabis is a narcotic. So um, but uh, certainly the rules around um, uh, you know retail and all that kind of stuff is all new. Um, but but now with the cannabis Act coming into place, I mean there are very specific rules in all legislation kind of, all falls under the Cannabis Act as it pertains to cannabis. And so, um, you know, the rules are, uh, you know, I would say more clearly spelled out uh, when it comes to marketing and communications, but uh, but still quite vague. Um, with respect to my clients, I would say it really depends. Uh, some clients, uh, you know, the large licensed producers obviously have uh, legal teams internally and, and work with a lot of lawyers uh, uh, externally as well uh, whereas the smaller uh, clients that I have especially in the retail side I find um, are certainly leaning on me and my knowledge when it comes to uh, communications and marketing rules and, and brand development and labeling all those kinds of things so say the smaller ones rely on me more for the legal side um, but you know uh, and, and I and I would say, the topic of legal of laws and rules is one that I talk with my clients on uh, all the time <laughs> to understand and think about, so we're thinking through uh, strategies and that kind of thing together quite a bit.
1: Alright, fair enough. Um, switching gears if we can, uh, you said you're, you, you're in business with your wife, is that right? Correct, yeah. How did you guys get started uh, working together?
2: nice cushy jobs and her boss uh, left and they had a change of leadership and kind of things changed in a way she didn't like and so she decided to leave and start her own business and then I kind of I think a year and a half later went through a similar situation and so we just said, you know what, uh, I don't want to keep going through a situation where my leadership changes and the direction of the company changes, and so let's do our own thing.
1: Uh, here we are. Uh, <laughs> awesome. Sounds great. I mean, the reason I was asking is because sometimes you might hear of people who get into cannabis. There's obviously still a lot of stigma, so they have to have that conversation with their families and everything. But you sort of skip that step. You guys just decided to get it on it together.
2: Yeah, totally, and uh, certainly. Uh, my wife is uh, not a user at all, <laughs> um, and but uh, you know as. Uh, uh I'll just put it out there. My, my number one rule is don't change me. so, uh, so she couldn't change me so uh, she, she had to accept me. And so she's uh, accepted the cannabis business, but I think she sees the opportunity, uh, certainly economically for us as a family. Uh, but uh, you know in terms of being a niche company focused on an industry, um, it's really a good way to go for any business. It makes uh, business development easier. It makes your decision making easier. Uh, so it, it certainly makes a lot of sense for
1: us. Awesome. That's great to hear. Did you did you have any pushback, you know, from from friends or family when you decided to get into cannabis professionally? Um, no, I wouldn't say I
2: did. Um, again, I think probably people who know me would know me uh, as a guy that doesn't really uh, take a lot of pushback. So I think <laughs> people just stopped pushing back on me a long time ago and just let me go.
0: If you could give one piece of advice to an aspiring entrepreneur looking to get into cannabis, what would it be?
2: Um, I think I would just say just do it. Um, I, I actually get a lot of calls and emails and contact from friends and people who uh, want to get together and talk about doing stuff in cannabis. And, and I think that's great. And I think you need to go out and do your networking and talk to people and obviously do your research. But uh, there comes a point where you just need to uh, hit the trigger and go. Right? So um, definitely go to events. Definitely uh, go network. Uh, and uh, once you kind of have your plans in place, just just go. The, the time is short right now in the industry. We gotta, That's right. you know, we
1: gotta get going. Yeah, no time like the present. Were you exactly were you fortunate enough to have any type of mentorship or anything as, as you got into business in general or even this specific business?
2: Yeah, you know what, I've been so lucky uh, to be surrounded first of all my dad uh, is was a pretty awesome entrepreneur um, and so I grew up in the family business and then uh, just I've had just great bosses and leaders uh, and and they've you know each one along the way has just really uh, had an impact on uh, on you know, my entrepreneur journey
1: awesome well that's a, it's a great story Peter um, where can people find more find out a bit more about uh, cannabis social and, and about you
2: Sure, so our website is uh, cannabissocial.com and uh, my email address is peter at cannabissocial.com. I'm also all over social media, peoplearski on Twitter um, and I believe peoplearski on LinkedIn as well.
1: Awesome, well, thank you so much for your time. It was really a pleasure talking to you.
2: Hey, I really enjoyed it, guys. Thanks so much.